the Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 38, Doctor Who, Series 12 Review, Part 1. Hello everyone, and a very warm welcome to the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And we are currently halfway through Series 12 of Doctor Who, the second series with Jodie Whittaker. Uh, We will be doing a full series review, but this year we've decided to do it in fragments. It's currently the very end of January, we're in our 10th recording block... And you're actually making this sound a lot more planned than it actually is. Yeah, it's just a bit impromptu after we've had wine and pasta. It basically happens to be, I'm I'm here this weekend, so why don't we just do this? Why don't we just do it? I am more impressed than I was last year. Oh, absolutely. Haven't we forgotten something? Oh, balls, yeah, before we start. Tonic screwdrivers at the ready. Fingers steady. What have we got for tonight? Tonight we have Gin Mare, which is a gin, a Mediterranean gin, um, distilled from olives, thyme, rosemary, and basil. And the infobolic says the authentic Mediterranean Gin Mare is made in a custom-designed still by blending individual distillations of some kind of olive that I can't read: thyme, rosemary, basil, cardamom, coriander, and juniper berries, gathered from our our own farms and citrus fruits, soaked in advance for more than a year in special large clay jars. So that that, that all sounds very involved. I've had like. Jim May before. It's uh, quite a, a frequent visitor to uh, gin bars. It's quite commonly found. It's all right. It's very nice. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it's nothing particularly special. I guess I've had I've had it before. It's it it does the job. It does the job. It's it's, it's not bad. It's just not particularly. Special. Yeah, it's a three. I'll, I'll give it a three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I would go with as well. If we grab our glasses and go down to the Black Archive, and I think because we're doing Doctor Who, we should each pick our top of the list one episode Doctor Who. Which do you want? <sighs> what? Just one episode. One not episode, not one story. One episode. Well, you actually have already done my top. Mine was Feast of Stephen. We're not retreading old ground. Top of the list. Top of my list is Feast of Stephen. But uh, after that, it would be... Again, we've done 10th Planet 4. No, this is complete new slate stuff. It doesn't matter what we've done before. Oh, if it's completely new slate, Power of the Daleks 1. There's nothing else I'd rather see. I want to see Trout's first episode. It is absolutely sublime on audio. I know they've done the animation, but to be honest... Nothing will satisfy me until I see that originally. It's Patrick Trout is sublime. And in the sleeve notes for Power of the Daleks, the CD, it makes excuses that he's not got his characterization right. I think he hits the ground running from the start. Yeah, frankly. absolutely. I mean, yes, there, there's the post-regeneration confusion that every subsequent Doctor had. And there's him being a little jokey and pulling Ben's leg when Ben's being quite confrontational. I mean, Power of the Daleks one is my answer as well, um, without a shot oh, of a doubt. Oh, fantastic. Gosh, we agree. God, this is there, there are a number of things we agree really? on. I mean, you're wrong about politics. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a particularly bad day to disagree about politics. It's uh, January the 31st, and in 
an hour and six minutes we officially leave the EU. This is a sore point for half of us. Mm. Dragging it back to archive television. Well, I'm dragging it back to current television. Oh, yes. Uh, nothing nothing archive It's the show that's on at the moment. Season 12, halfway through. Vast improvement on season 11. It is. I am pleasantly surprised. My first question, the question in plain sight, is what on earth has changed in 12 months? Because they'd already started work on series 12 before the comments had started about series 11. Presumably whoever is Chibnall's boss is had had a look at the first episode of season 11 and gone, this is a pile of shite, sort your... your." You see, I've I've been beautifully surprised by each of the episodes of series 12. I will say that the Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, I actually really genuinely quite enjoyed as an episode in itself. It didn't rely on past mythology. It didn't rely on... Absolutely, it it is top of my list. It's not a brilliant episode of Doctor Who, but it's a good episode of Doctor Who, and it's the first time I can say that about a Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. This season is the first time I can say that about a Jodie Whittaker episode. Um, Last season, the only one I have any interest in watching again was the future armor ripoff the Serenga thingy which I didn't rate it was I could have happily chopped half of that out that was mediocre and that was the best that the mm. season had to offer the rest of it was just dull this isn't Spyfall was fantastic it was fantastic apart from Lenny Henry and now um, that, and now I say that with real regret because Lenny Henry has done some of uh, my favourite television there was a series he did in the 90s called Chef which is widely panned. But it was a beautifully done sitcom about a chef in a posh restaurant in Oxfordshire. It was marvellous. Until yeah. they got to the third series and then cancelled all the money and, and did it on video and it was shit. But and Lenny Henry... kind was great. It was. It was fantastic. And he was part of that. My only problem with Lenny Henry, and I said this before the episode even went out, he would at some point make some pointed reference to being black and oppressed. And he did. Now, this is the owner of some colossal search engine. By that, you really don't need to go on about being oppressed. You, you're in a, you look at this man this, in this colossal position of power, clearly commanding everything and everyone under his wing. Why then would a line be dropped in, and I suspect it's Lenny Henry that's done it, about being black and oppressed? And you think, all of a sudden, this wonderful, powerful character, you're commanding the screen, and Lenny Henry does command the screen. Yeah. Why would you drop in that line about, I was the only black lad at school, or whatever the fuck Yeah, but that, that's talking about the roots that he came from, and I, I don't have a problem with that. The, the thing I, I don't think worked in, in that episode... Um, and more so Stephen Fry than Lenny Henry. Oh, they were they were very much drop in characters because they're a name. I mean, Stephen Fry had what one scene. 
Um, he had a couple, but he was wasted. And he also was not convincing as the leader of MI5 or whatever the hell it was. He was far too jokey and convivial. And the leader of MI5, you look at Judy Dench. Yeah. She is serious to a T. She's the uh, best M there's been. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ray Fiennes isn't doing too badly. Not Judy Dench, though. And she blasts the, the original Bernard Maxwell, wasn't it? Bernard Lee. Really? Yes. There's she's, a scene in I forget a million it. times better. Oh, I don't know. There's well, then you're wrong. Um. <laughs> There's a scene that I think he's either Russia with love or Goldfinger, where he's got his pipe clamped in his teeth, and he tells Bond to leave his gun behind because he is getting a different gun. Q Branch has decided the gun that he's got, the Beretta, is obsolete, and he just clamps his pipe in his teeth, and he looks down, and he says, "Leave the gun." And he starts scribbling. And it's just completely... Oh, he's good. But those Istanbul scenes for um, Judy Dench, the um, the Skyfall scenes, they're really good. Now, a big chunk of that is that she was given much more plot. And the original was there at the beginning, sometimes there at the end, to, to hand out the, um, the assignment. And that was it. Whereas she got involved in the plot itself. It was a li- that bit, beautiful though it was to watch, because I really love Skyfall, it wasn't terribly believable that the head of MI5 would go out in the field to that degree. Oh, for God's sake, it's James Bond. What is there that's believable about Stop it? Stop it! It's about Stop as believable as the saint. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, I would certainly not dis Judy Dench in any way. She's a and, wonderful woman. And actually, this isn't a, uh, a criticism of... Uh, Stephen Fry. Um, there has been a history in the new Doctor Who of underusing guest stars. I mean, ta- they had Tamsin Grieg for what two scenes as a nurse, and that was way back in the first series. So, so this isn't a new thing, but it was underusing their two big name stars. I didn't expect him to come back. I thought it would be a, a sort of um, some sort of fake that he'd been shot through the head. Clearly not. No, he was wasted in that role because I, he, he just did not convince me as the head of MI5 at all. Yeah. He was this bumbling Stephen Fry. And I believe Stephen Fry actually wrote an episode for series two or three or something. And it was just too, at the time, it was just too expensive or too fantastical to realise. And you think, well, what the hell was it that was too fantastical to realise when they've done so much with so... Because the budget's still, in modern television terms, quite modest yeah. for what they do. Spyfall did not engage me until the last five, ten minutes of each episode. I was gripped by the end of episode one when they got on the plane and it all unraveled and then Oh Sasha Dewan. was revealed as the master. Yeah. My my gut feeling at that point was really I have yet to be convinced that he's the master. because uh, all I saw was actually he's taken leftover lines from John Sim and given them to him because it's a very similar characterization. But on the other hand, I thought I thought up to this point you'd wasted Sasha Dewan in a bit part role. It turns out we're clearly going to see a lot more of him. Good. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I think he did a really good job. There are bits of Spyfall that I don't like. The whole, the Doctor going back in time at the end and leaving instructions for how the companions get get out of it and installing an app so that they can land the plane. That is That was done as a joke in The Curse of Fatal Death and it is a massive cop-out. Um, yeah, and I didn't really, like it. I really didn't like that. 
I didn't like the, well, unless they have a more significant role to play, I didn't like the Ada and Noor thing. So Ada Lovelace and Noor Khan. Do you mean the waste of two major historical characters yes, ab- just to drop them in as ethnic minority characters? Yeah, and it, it's a bit like the the old days of the novels where Gary Russell and David, David McAtee and all of that would have their, I'm grabbing this chunk of history so that I can put my name on it and I'm going to do the first cartoon companion and I'm going to do the first doctorless book and I'm going to do the first and I'm going to do the first and I'm going to do the first and I'm just going to mark my territory all over this great swathe of history so nobody else can use it. It just came across as being a bit like that. Now it might be that each of them is being built up for use in a further episode. I don't believe it. Uh, no, I don't believe it either. And I think you've just wasted two major historical yeah, characters. The really, And I know lots and lots and lots of people have, have said this, but the Doctor mind wipes Ada Lovelace. Can understand that. Somebody um, who is that intelligent and intuitive scientist, having seen the future, could affect things. Fair enough. In that case, why didn't you do it with Nikola Tesla? And why do it with Nuakana at all? And if you're going to do that with major historical characters, and I know we talked about this when we talked about Rosa and uh, Winston mm. Churchill, if you're going to do that with major historical characters, why not do it with Edison and Tesla? So looking back from four episodes, she wiped the minds of the women, but not the men. Why? Now, the, the actual reason for that is episodes written by different people mm. and not a particularly consistent script editing. And that's likely to be the reason behind it. But it doesn't send a great message. Those those are a couple of things that I didn't like. The thing I absolutely hated, and the only thing I hated in the the episode, was that bit in the um, the Eiffel Tower where she basically weaponizes his ethnicity. Remind me. She drops his perception field so that the um, the Nazis realize that he's not white. Didn't bother me because it's true. They would have the perception field. He clearly. Mm. Yes, it would it, it would have worked. There is no doubt it would have worked. I didn't like the Doctor weaponising ethnicity like that. And, the, and that's what it was. And um, there would have been other ways of writing that scene that wouldn't have been as problematic. It didn't bother me because it was so true. Um, and, it, and it reinforced the point to me that, where, that whereas the Nazis I, were I, I, Aryan supremacists. That just made me feel really uncomfortable. Whereas there, there would have been other ways of writing that scene yeah the end the very end of it where the hologram appears in the TARDIS we've got a good 10 minutes worth of setting up a future storyline now this is something that series 11 didn't have a fucking shred of we had Tim Shaw that was the oh Tooth Boy episode 1 and episode 11 technically yeah and the whole thing with the teeth was done far far better in Channel Zero anyway there was nothing interesting in Series 11. There was nothing original in Series 11. There was an awful lot of, particularly in the Rosa episode, preachiness. And as we said when we were discussing that with Dean, if you're going to be that preach, you put your own house in order and it wasn't. Anyway, we've, we've talked about this. Mm. We've talked about Rosa at length and that's not what we're discussing here. The whole setting up the Gallifrey thing, I loved the setup. Now that we're five episodes in, I have a horrific premonition of where this is going to go. We're so, sk- I'm skipping ahead a little bit here. So yeah. we're, we're moving to episode three, which was Orphan 55. And the overriding memory of that is a terrible performance from the old woman. Really, <laughs> really dreadful. There are way too many characters in it. The um, hyphen with the three. Yeah, nice. 
quite literally fluffy, but didn't contribute oh, to anything the, the at all. Oh, and with the tail yeah. that really looked like somebody in a costume. Looked like a furry. <coughs> Sorry, something. I went to a furry convention once. It was quite entertaining. Uh, I mean, I, I, I had to go and hide in the corner and laugh quite a I'm sure it's on Urban Dictionary somewhere, yeah. if you'd like to look this one up. Segwaying back to Doctor. <laughs> they, were, they were lovely, lovely people. Absolutely lovely. And I not one to kink shame or anything like that. Oh, you peel away the layers here, Dr. Exton. <laughs> All right, you talk about your experience with furries. I don't have one. Over 55. Far too many characters in it. Uh, again, a complete waste of a guest actor is that engineer. The bloke from the in between us. As, oh, as the green, that ridiculous green wig thing. Yeah, um, and the the son who who actually knew the engineering. Oh, and, but that was actually a kind of nice idea. It was poorly realised. I think and, that was the... And why cram everybody into that bus that was going out into the middle of the desert? Okay, the old woman wanted to come and mm. um, look for her husband. And why did they take her husband? This is three that, weeks ago and we can't remember. No, I, I can remember the episode. It just doesn't make any sense. They killed everybody else that they could get hold of. But the doddery old bloke with an oxygen tank, they took along with them for a... It didn't really make a lot of sense. No. This, we've learned over the years, this is nothing new, don't poke too many holes in Doctor Who. But it's 2020. You shouldn't really be able to poke really bloody obvious holes yep. in Doctor Who in 2020. Fair dues with something that was aired in 1965, 75, even 85. There are holes in it. It's better left unexplored. Mm. You really shouldn't be writing a story now that has a gaping plot hole in it that a five-year-old can pull apart. Yeah. Having said that, it was a fun episode that I enjoyed. It was uh, all right. And I didn't I did not enjoy it. And, and that's the important thing for me. And there are very few of the season 11 episodes that I can say that I enjoyed. So Orphan 55, to my to my mind, it's it's an average episode rather than a meh episode. Mm. And so far for the uh, Jodie Whittaker career, that's actually a win. Well, episode four was... Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, which, which I loved. I, I really did. It's the first one of Jodie Whittaker's series that I can genuinely say, I, A, I enjoyed, and B, I would like to watch again. I did enjoy it. Um, I, I can say that about Spyfall. For all I've, I've, I've pointed out things that I, I didn't like about it overall. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, Nikola Tesla's House of Terror, uh, Night of Terrors, is the the high point of the the series for mm. me so far. Really good guest guest cast. Good story though, and yeah. there was nothing unbelievably fantastic. I mean, of course, there's fantastical elements to all yeah. Doctor Who, but. It was resolved in a, we can resolve this with current technology in a really clever way. And self-contained. All made sense. Yeah. I, I, I liked that a lot. I really, really enjoyed that one. The whole I bit where really they suddenly just it. randomly appear on the train after they're escaping from, the, um, from those tunnels right at the start, that didn't make a massive amount of sense. Or maybe I just need to... Rewatch it. It's probably one worth rewatching, but um, there was nothing. Oh no, about... it's definitely an episode yeah, worth rewatching. Yeah, it was. It was one that I didn't. I, I looked at and actively liked. I wasn't mm. sat there all the way through thinking it's okay, but it's not as good as what's gone before. Now I've never, I've never felt that way about Doctor Who before. You and I have both fallen into the age bracket where we're stereotypically supposed to think that oh, 
not as good as in the good old days. I've never thought that about Doctor Who. Uh, each era has had its own ups and downs. Yeah, and I mean, I absolutely love Troughton. I, I was born during his mm. last season. I, I don't remember watching any of his episodes, even the Three Doctors on first transmission until it came to the Two Doctors. And he is my absolute favourite Doctor. So I'm, I'm not tied into the whole, I was... Raised on Tom Baker. Tom Baker is the uh, yeah. the greatest Doctor. Now, Tom Baker is a wonderful Doctor, and there's an awful lot of his stories that are very, very nostalgic mm. for me. But an awful lot of that is because there are a lot of his stories that are very, very, very good. Yes, they are. Um, in the, certainly in the first half of his run, yes. Oh, and the second half has some great stuff as well. Well, I there's a, a wobbly bit during the Graham C- Williams era, City, City of Death, Death Notwithstanding. Nightmare of Eden I really like. There are elements of it that I would edit out. Full circle. My arms, my legs, my everything I would edit out. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, Um, Season 18 I adore. Warriors Gate. Megalos. Season 18, God, we are are segueing here. John Nathan Turner has come in for, in elements, justified criticism for his tenure as producer of Doctor Who. The simple fact is he went on way too long. If you go right back to the beginning of his tenure... And look at what he did with the programme. I honestly think season 18, wow. Apart from Megalos. You don't like Megalos. I I have less of a hate on it, but it opened... I I don't hate it. It's a Whitaker episode. It's men. (laughs) We could have had Sharda. Um, well, yes, we could have had Charter. Um, <laughs> shall we talk about that? Because we haven't mentioned that before. (laughs) Gosh, please do expand at length. Okay. But I, I have, I was alive when when Leisure Hive went out, but I was not aware of it. But I, I look at it compared it's with it's so eighties it hurts. But it, it is so eighties, but you, but you, you've got uh, what do you got? Horns of Nymon, Leisure Hive, Kachow. What on earth must they have thought in nineteen eighty? New series of Doctor Who's coming on, right? Come on. What the fuck? And it's completely different. Right from the first sting of the opening titles, this is not the Doctor Who we know. Yeah. And he tightened the whole thing up. It, yeah. Tom Baker had a, a much more put together, I know you're not overly keen on the whole costume thing. No, because it's too designed. But everything about it was tightened up. The music was tightened up. The special effects were tightened up. The TARDIS was tightened up. Tom Baker's performance was screwed down. The stories were more scientific and less whimsical. That whole season 18, I do adore. In fact, I adore it right through to sort of Caves of Androzani. And then it's no reflection on Colin Baker. Um, it there drops are, off considerably. There are a few drop points. Um, Force Doomsday isn't good. Mm. Um, Warriors of the Deep. But that's more to yeah, do quite, with the... I quite like Warriors I of the like Deep. Warriors it's of the massively Deep. overlit. Wish but, it wasn't. So, yeah, that was exactly what um, I was going to say, yeah. Awakening. I love Awakening. Oh, even with Will, Duck Face. Will Chandler and the Duck Face. Oh, God, we, we did an episode on... It's still too good. We have recorded it. We've not, we've not and, broadcast and it. And we turned it into a drinking game that every time Will Chandler did Duck Face, we would take a drink. And we were absolutely we were slaughtered. We had to stop because... He's a, a, a superfluous, superfluous character anyway, but he does nothing but scratching and duck face. I can't believe how many meant. characters are in The Awakening for a two-part story. Should we get back to Jodie Whittaker? Yes, okay. Back to, back to Jodie Whittaker. So, episode four, uh, Nikola Tesla's... I, I want to call it House of Terror. It's nothing of the kind. Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. It's a stupid episode title. 
It is a daft episode. Um, and there's been... It's the only thing I don't like about it, but it's a terrible oh, the, episode. The Whitaker era has had some shit episode titles. Arachnids in the UK. What the fuck was that all about? Oh, that, that was somebody saying, oh, guess what? I've heard of the Sex Pistols. Well, whoop de do. Well, there was um, a, yeah, there are a few spiders in Sheffield. What about the rest? Forget it. Anyway, forget yeah. it. Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. I'll get there in the end. Very, very good. Highlight of the season so far. Yes, absolutely. Episode five. We think differently about. Now, this is where I'm very much on the fence about episode five, which was called... I can't remember. It was only last week. Jeez, what was it called? Fugitive of the Judean. It was. And it opens up as a, a standard Doctor Who story. But right from the word go, it starts... Pecking with it. The only thing I didn't like, which is something that's been riven through the Jodie Whittaker era, you start off with, again, an interracial marriage. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I'm, I, please don't think that I am saying that. But it, it's been hammered down your throat that everybody's got interracial relationships and interracial friendships. And that is the standard across the country. It really isn't. There's nothing wrong with it. But that's not the standard, and it's been hammered down your throat as... Who else is there, apart apart from them and Graham and Grace? No, it's more the case of the TARDIS team. You have four different nationalities, Graham and uh, Grace, okay, and then you've got Ryan, and then they've got this sort of step-grandad thing going on, which is so horribly forced. And the fact that now they apparently get on like Bezzy mates doesn't seem to me at all, because it that just, it's just not going to happen. Yaz and Ryan, I can't wait, is she Indian or Pakistani? But, and, and Ryan, they're sort of now busy mates. He's trying it on with her desperately to get them to be a couple. And it's like the all races and nationalities mixed together all the time as busy mates. It, it might be the case in cities. Cities are, are self-contained bubbles and they don't really... All cities across the planet are like this. The multicultural, interracial... Bubbles, but they do not represent the rest of the countries that they are in because that's what cities are, uh, particularly capital cities. London is not representative of England at all. I probably see things from this perspective quite differently because working in the NHS, working as a doctor, I have always worked with a lot of non UK. Well, well, yeah, but that's a different. And, and the NHS is, a, I know that this is, this is a very bad day to be discussing this. The NHS is extremely multicultural yes. and and better for it, I think. But the rest of the country at large... Which Brexit is shafting with a giant stick. No, I didn't ask you to comment on that. No. Come on. You've, you've got 36 minutes left, <laughs> the European Union. <laughs> oh, I'm not going down this route. He's going to stab me when we're off air. I, I almost wore my I think, <laughs> therefore, I am not a Brexit supporter T-shirt. But I thought... Respect for my host. I have a special Brexit gin waiting. Anyway, from Burnley. What the hell were we on about? Um, yeah, the, well, so, is it a giant pile of shite with no advantages whatsoever? The NHS? No, I would no, never describe Brexit. it as that. But the rest of the country, if you look at the country, it's all pockets of... This whole idea that we're all interracial, multinational, it just, it's a lie. And the same is true for every single country you will ever visit. The cities, the major conurbations are all intermingled. But they're not genuinely intermingled. You get the pockets. You get the the black areas, the Chinatowns, the Irish areas. 
And those are the cities of the world over. Now, that's that's not because people are racist. It's because... It's because of tribalism. Yeah, which we, is, we club together. Which is what underpins human psychology. Yeah, and that's just how it is. It's not... There's nothing wrong with it. That's just how we are. But that is not a reason to distance yourself from other groups. N- not at all. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not suggesting that for a second. But Doctor Who during Jodie Whittaker's era has been this this sort of fantasy land where everybody in every friend group has got all their mates are all different creeds and colours, and it, it's just not true. So, but putting that to one side for a second, once we get past that, and that was my major issue with the opening of the episode, however nice it was, all of a sudden you start layering on the mystery. And I thought, you've never done this before. Who You don't know who this Ruth's partner, whose name I've forgotten. Lee. Lee. Oh, there's something about this guy. And then it peels away the layers and the Jadoon track it, finally tracking down. You found out, actually, it's not Lee they're after, it's Ruth they're after. Well, what's wrong? Right, we'll go to the lighthouse. And all of a sudden, you're weaving in this mystery. Mm. We've never had that before in the Chibnall era of Doctor Who. All of a sudden, it's like a proper episode of Doctor Who. And that part of it, I did quite like. Until? Actually, honestly, as soon as, as soon as there was that text message break the glass, I'd worked out what was going to go Yeah, wrong. you knew very well that there was going to be, at some point, a Time Lord involved. Yes. And Wasabi, there it was. A chameleon arch. And, but that and whole episode... I, I thought she was going to turn out to be somebody like Flavia. The Rani. I, I, no, I had the Rani no, in I, my head. No, I don't think they would ever go down the route of the Rani. Really? Because of the name. Well, what's wrong with it? It's an Indian name. Yes. It would never be given to a, a non-Indian person. I think people read into things far too much. Have you seen the rest of the Jodie Whittaker era? Well, yes, I have, but that's yeah. the problem. I think yeah. the, the which problem, is, the, which the is reason why, I don't why we think, are... I don't think the Rani would be a character that, that would come back. It's a terrible now, thing, because the Rani was a really good character. She could have been the monk or another version of the master. I know, again, but this whole... But yeah, I'd, I'd worked out there was yeah. going to be a Time Lord involved. I hadn't worked out it was going to be another iteration of the Doctor whatever the uh, Joe Martin version of the Doctor turns out to be, and whether it's alternate universe or pre-Hartnell or between Hartnell, uh, between Trout and... Well, you and I had the same... uh, At exactly the same time, we were messaging each other. We both had the same idea at exactly the same time of what she's going to turn out to be, which is... Pre-Hartnell. No, we didn't. You said that it was going to be a... Oh, she's going to sacrifice herself no, my, to my, save Gallifrey. My initial thought was pre, it was pre-Hartnell. After that, because um, once you see the, the TARDIS as, uh, as a police box, mm. that happened in Unearthly Child. Prior to that, yeah. alien circuit had worked. And when you, when you see the, uh, the doctor who's prepared to not shoot somebody, but let somebody shoot themselves. Mm. So it, it's pretty much the same thing. You're not pulling the trigger, but you're allowing the trigger to be pulled. I think she's an alternate timeline doctor. Yes. I suspect she's an alternate timeline doctor from the Age of Steel timeline, which is where the whole Cyberman thing comes in. I that's I'd not thought that, but I think you might be reading a little bit too much into the mythology there because I'm willing to be proved wrong. But Chibnall doesn't appear to have mined the mythology until this series, and now he's going hell for leather at it. So maybe you could be um, bloody right. Well, there, I mean, actually. Chibnall's been a fan for as long as we have, so he, uh, he at knows. Least, yes, yes, he knows the mythology as well as we do. But there was virtually nothing in series eleven, and this series 
With Nikola, Te- with the exception of the Nikola Tesla episode, every warm glow that I've got from the series has been because of the past. It's been nothing to do with this episode. Wonderful. With the exception of the Nikola Tesla, I really did enjoy that. I, I, I honestly did. Mm. Every other aspect has been, ah, oh, the master's cropped back up. Ah, oh, Captain Jack's cropped back up. Oh, God, with that a, was awful. With no, a, he was, with a very, he was so pantomime, it wasn't true. Um, he might as well have been... Oh. He'd taken a good class in overacting in the intervening years. and uh, Yeah, it's probably uh, taught one. I mean, A hell of a class in hair dye as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he he wasn't great. It's such a shame. But Ca- he, Captain Jack was a, a wonderful character to start with, but th- that was just it was a pantomime version yeah. of the character. Yeah. Let let fly with the cant with the the pantomime, um, and before that those scenes, if you had said to me this is going to springboard a new Torchwood, I would have been absolutely mm. made up about it. If it's going to springboard a new Torchwood. With that as Captain Jack, it's the way that, that he's played. Oh, Widow Twanky. I was so disappointed, actually. Because it, it should have been gripping. And in actual fact, it was... Because I'll admit, there was a warm glow when I heard the voice all distorted at the beginning when Graham was teleported. I thought, oh. I think it's been... I mean, John Barrowman's always wanted to come back. Um, yeah, I was massively disappointed by that. Um, but when he actually appeared, it was a pantomime version of what he'd actually been. It wasn't yeah. the real Captain Jack. So, yeah, a shame. A, that, that was disappointing. There was actually very little plot mm. in the... This is like the problem that I have with Waters and Mars in that... It can look great, and you can have some great character pieces, but unless you've actually got a good plot underpinning it, you end up feeling massively dissatisfied at the end of the episode. But it might be that this is all set up for the next episode. And oh, to be in fairness to, to what they're doing, I think they're setting up for the future. My No, not setting up for the future, setting up for the next episode. I don't think they will. If it... it if the next episode goes back to Monster of the Week, then episode five is... Why bother? Episode six will be episode, uh, Monster of the Week. I'm almost convinced of this. Yeah. What I... My personal feeling about this is everything that's being set up is not for episode 10. It is for series 13. The Gallifrey thing may be episode 10. The Timeless Child thing, episode 10. But it won't be resolved. It won't be resolved in a Russell T. Davis way. It'll be... And actually, that I don't have a, have a problem with, um, as long as it's sort of following the Babylon 5 path, path where it's sort of 80% resolved, but still some stuff to go, go forward. But if you look at Babylon 5, and okay, Babylon 5 had a, a lot more episodes per series, each episode had a good, consistent plot, on top of which was layered the ongoing storylines. Episode 5 of this... It's either a complete continuity wank or all ongoing plot with no underlying story. I cannot believe that even he has the arrogance or chutzpah to put Joe Martin, who everybody's raved about on on Twitter. And she's great. Mm. No, I, I, I think she's she no in, doctor. I think she put in a great performance. No, I don't. It wasn't the doctor in any... In just the same... Uh, all right, you've got... Oh, John Hurt wasn't the Doctor. It was a completely different performance. Yeah, that was meant to be 
And it was John Hurt. Yeah. Um, whereas I think, she, depending on what alternate timeline or whatever she's coming from, if she's a sort of war doctor equivalent... No, you have an alternate timeline, yeah. all bets are off. Do what you like. If she in any way turns out to be a pre-Hartnell doctor, you can fuck all the way off. That is the most arrogant thing. Because it's been clearly established in... Oh, right the way back to the three doctors. Um, yeah. The, it, it's, this is the doctor in his earliest incarnation. It was it was screwed down with a power drill in time of the doctor, the regenerations yeah. that he'd had. And if he's prepared to undo that, and, I, and I really don't think he is. And it demonstrates a massive lack of imagination. Yeah. Um, because it's been done before. Um, it's just a way of crowbarring. And I said this... A good mate of mine, Mick, we were having dinner here and uh, he he said that, you know, echoed exactly what I thought. The next Doctor cannot go back to being a white male. Personally speaking, I wish... Well, I I, I, I couldn't care whether he's white or black or whatever. I think the woman experience has, has been done. I personally do not feel it's been a success. I think they, they got the wrong woman to do the job. I would have been blissfully happy if they'd got Helen Mirren. Or somebody of that, I honestly would. Can you imagine Helen Mirren striding about the universe in a proper costume, commanding the... Can you imagine? Yes, because I've seen Red. I haven't seen it, I don't know. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a really good film. So if if, if somebody of that ilk had been cast as the Doctor, yes. I I think Jodie Whittaker, now that she's had a couple of decent scripts has actually shown that she she can be a doctor. And from this series, I can understand why there would be people who say, this is my doctor. Season 11, I couldn't because there wasn't anything that she could actually get her teeth into. It's nothing against her per se as an actress. I know that she's had big gigs in other... Is she, was she in Broadchurch? Yes. I've not seen her in anything else. So I'm not commenting on her as an actress. Except you are. No, I'm commenting, commenting on her as a Doctor Who. And a lot of it's down to the writing, of course. But Helen Mirren, I can imagine... And I picture her in a sort of Curse of Fatal Death costume, absolutely striding in. I am the Doctor, and you will tell me what I want to know. Jodie Whittaker's Doctor... But Peter Davison's Doctor didn't do that. No, he didn't. But he'd go through this entire sort of... Uh, snake Dance is an example, where mm. he asked them to call off the festival. And it's like, yeah, why not? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we'll call off the whole thing, just because you say so, no problem. And the Doctor looks like a fucking idiot. But if you you go through Davison's era, and he's fallible and he's flawed, and then right at the end of a scene, he will sort of say something and turn the whole situation on a sixpence. But Jodie Whittaker doesn't do Which, which is down to the, the performance, but it's also down to the writing. It's all... Um, and it's she tremendously. Has, she hasn't had the writing. No. In the same way for an awful lot of Capaldi's stories. He didn't have the writing. He, he, he was fantastic. You see, I think... What are the weak links in Capaldi's run? Forest of the Night. That's oh, stupid, yeah. ridiculous. That's awful. Flatline I didn't really enjoy, although he was, his performance was magnificent in it. But my problem isn't so much with the writing, because even shit writing, and there's been, there's been enough of it in New Who, it's not, it's certainly not confined to this. The performance carries it through as an episode. It might not be a particularly good episode, but you're still entertained. Yeah. I am not entertained by Jodie Whittaker, because what I, what I see, 
and it doesn't help that it started right from the beginning of her, her run, is, said it before, you've met the first female doctor, the unsure doctor. So she walks into a room and she doesn't command a presence. What she does is demand answers. And she sounds petulant. So demanding answers and shouting a lot and being, I am asking you for answers. What are you doing? I'm not going to tell you. Well, I think you should tell me because I am the doctor. And if you don't like it, then I'm going to be really cross. And that's how it comes across with her. Again, like you said, the writing. Yeah, and actually uh, a fairer parallel is Colin Baker. Yeah, good, great Doctor shit writing. Yeah, and I, I think that's what we're seeing with Jodie Whittaker because there are, particularly in, in this new season, there are bits where she absolutely shines. Give me an example. The, <laughs> casino, the casino's team in, in Skyfall. Oh, it's not sticking out. Go on. I, I love the whole... I, th- I, can, I can sort of semi-picture it, actually. But. Um, blacking her way past the... Um, Past the, past the security, going in, doing the whole, I am suave and sophisticated, and then demonstrating that she's playing snap. That and was that, a lovely that, that 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 really moment. Um, the facing down the, God, what's the bargain basement, Ragnos? Rani from Sarah Jane yeah. Adventures. Um, facing that one down and basically saying, you're nothing but a bunch of scavengers. She was really good with that. The scenes that with the map. That was good, yeah. The the, scene, the scenes with the master in um, in Skyfall. Did I ever apologise for Jodrell Bank? Good. <laughs> now fair dues. Yeah. But like I said, the last ten minutes of both episodes were good. Yeah. They were. I can't knock them. But she absolutely has the chops to do the job. Yeah. She just needs to be Written given a, given a decent script um, and allowed to do it. I've seen a lot of dialogue that is left over from David Tennant and Matt yeah. Smith and given but to her. The whole of season 11 is meh. Season 12, she has really had to reprove herself, having not been particularly... But you ed- should... A doctor should not have to do that. The only com- comparable thing I can give is Sylvester McCoy's first season. That that was pretty bloody ropey. The second season, you kick off with Remembrance of the Daleks and you think, Jesus Christ, is this the same guy? Yeah. Remembrance of the Daleks is amazing. Jodie, we're halfway through her second season and she has been good in every episode. Now, I, I, I have my issues with a number of the episodes. I found um, The Fugitive, The Judoon, dull because there isn't a plot. But the, her performance has been good. My personal feeling is it's not. I, I don't... Again, it's nothing against her. I, I don't... I, I really don't know her um, work but I just think the way she's written for and the, the the lines she's given are petulant rather than commanding and I want my doctor to command but you could argue that Tom Baker was too jokey oh and justifiably you get towards the end of the Graham Williams era I, I say I, what a marvellous butler he's so violent although it, it, that same story has the the wonderful line Oh, I'm so sorry. I've just dented my head on your gun. <laughs> so witty can work. It's it's that fine line between yeah. witty and just frivolous. Frivolous I don't like in Doctor Who. Witty I do. Yeah, there's, and, there's virtually nothing in the Chibnall era. And I think the the problem with Jodie Whittaker, she's not given the scripts no. to work with. Oh, definitely not. Um, no. Because in season 12, there are some decent scripts and she works with them. Yeah, well, the Tesla one. 
as an episode of Doctor Who. It's really good. Yeah. And as a result of that, I like her Doctor. In the same way as as a result of Terror of the Vervoids, I got to like Colin Baker's Doctor. I wasn't wildly impressed beforehand. Oh, no, you see, I like. I was fickle enough to like Colin Baker's Doctor from a reasonably early stage. I remember, I remember being that six-year-old boy, seeing the picture of Colin Baker in the Radio Times and asking my mum when he was going to change back and being horrified that he wasn't. And I think within, by the time it got to the next season, Attack of the Cybermen, sort of accepted he was the Doctor. Yeah, but bear, bear in mind, by, by that stage, I'd grown up with Tom Baker. I'd seen mm. all, of, all of Peter Davison. I actually really liked Attack of the Cybermen. Even though it was written by Ian Levine? Yeah, well, Ian Levine has never issued death threats against me, so... No, that, that's fair news. The cosmic blancmange and I have... Uh, we've waged war against each other. You're more into fandom than I am. I was. I'm not anymore. I've not been in, in, involved with fandom for, for years now, but... But Colin Baker, I have always rated as the Doctor... Matt Smith, to me, is the Colin Baker of the modern era. Matt Smith, I adore. But there's a lot of his stories are pretty shit. Or well, it, or blink and you've missed it, and you've you've missed a, a real major plot point. You've got to hang on every bloody word. Yeah, and Stephen Moffat overdid that. I mean... I think he'd probably admit it. Yeah, the, the whole big complicated story arc thing. Russell T. Davis, for the first couple of years, absolutely absolutely got the balance yes, right. Yes, he did, yes. And when it came to individual stories, he generally recognised that you, above everything else, you need a plot. Mm. And you can you can hang all the extra stuff and all the the shiny bits of dialogue and the, um, the overarching series-long plot points and everything. You can hang all of that off it. But to keep people watching and to keep people coming back the next week... You need a good underlying plot. And when it boils down to it, The Fugitive of the Jadoon didn't have one. There were Jadoon that turned up and you make the silly joke about the, um, all the rhyming thing. It's a lovely thing that they named the um, the Jadoon commander after... Uh, Condon. Yeah, slightly old that they named a female character after him, but never mind. I hadn't spotted that. Um, oh, the bit where she, bit where the doctor's persuading the commander to let her go into it, and it's it's sort of all women together thing, and it, it it's a really nice tip of the hat. I've got to give him his kudos for that. That was um, I didn't know Paul Condon. I was only aware of him peripherally a few years ago until he and certainly after he, he passed. It, that is a very nice thing to do. Yes, my only beef with last week's episode. Which I did enjoy, and I enjoy being surprised by every 10 minutes by something new. Now, that's not to say that it was a great story. Like you said, there was no plot or such. It was quite nice to see the Jadoon return. Then you were quite surprised by, whoa, Captain Jack's, but didn't expect that. That's a little nice little nod to the past. And the, then the, oh. the nod of the head to Smith and Jones with a little old lady with the knitting needles that you kind of expect is going to do turn out to be the... Anne Reed type character yes. and just gets blasted. And then digs up the TARDIS. Okay, where's this bit going? Then Chameleon Arch. Then I am the Doctor. And then Time Lords. But every single surprise in that episode was all an, a heart back to the past. So this is it's really, it's very much a bridging episode of yeah. what's coming in the future. 
I just hope, I really just hope that it can live up to it and resolves itself nicely. I suspect it will be a horrific Deus Ex Machina uh, and it yeah. will all be a reset and Gallifrey is not destroyed and... I, I think there's likely to be a reset that Gallifrey is not destroyed because... But, and, and as you said, the Joe Martin Doctor will sacrifice herself to... To uh, restore Eradicate Gallifrey. the tie yeah. I don't think that's a bad theory because I have the same theory in my head. But... We will see. For the first time, really looking forward to the next episode of Doctor Who. I was until episode five was such a disappointment. I'm, I'd like to see what direction they take it in, but I can't say I'm massively enthused about it at the moment. Our fingers are genuinely crossed that Doctor Who gets better. Or continues to be... Continues to... Di- continues down this path. It would be unfair to say and actually, it gets better. But if Fugitive of the Jadoon was a season 11 episode, I'd be absolutely blown away yes, by it. Yeah, it's yeah. because it's come on the back of four absolutely great episodes. Comparatively. Well, the, comparatively. Yeah. yeah. I think that we've... Unfortunately, I think we've but, now reached the stage But four where episodes that are average or better and I enjoyed watching... And then there's one where it's, well, hang on a minute, this is kind of back to the way it was a year ago, and please, God, don't let it carry on like that. My gut feeling about episode five was the only reason I'm really enjoying this is because it's not as bad as series 11. That's not a good enough reason for me to, to enjoy no. Doctor Who. Although I, I Whereas episode I, four... Episode four was genuinely good. I hope the future going forward is genuinely good and I'm not viewing it hoping it's better than what's gone before or lowering my standard of what I think is good because series 11 was so bad. Last year we did uh, just one episode on reviewing the entire series. We've got more to say than we thought we might have for this. So this is going to end up being a two-part season review uh, and we'll finish with episode six. Praxius, which we've just watched. What do we think about the episode? Um, I actually thought that wasn't bad. The only downside with it, it was a little bit crammed. It's a big sprawling thing set across three continents. Basically, the plastic virus, by various means, is is slowly infecting the whole planet Earth. Not even a thinly veiled message in that one about how humans have fucked up Earth with plastics. It's another eco episode with an eco message lots of running around pulling together threads it's a good 20 25 minutes just setting up the premise and introducing all the characters and a convenient resolution they just happen to have uh, a spaceship to hand to deliver the- so there was a again with a lot of doctor who don't pick out don't pick too many holes in it don't look at it too closely it wasn't bad there was just nothing to to make me want to go out and rewatch it again like the tesla one did what did you think? I loved it. I could watch that again now. That's my favourite Whitaker episode so far. Okay, it, it is a rip-off of a number of science fiction classics. There's a big chunk of the uh, Quatermass experiment in there, particularly at the beginning. Um, there is a huge rip from Doomwatch, the, uh, the Plastic Eaters episode. But I don't mind that because it does something different with each of those. It's not a a direct rip-off. It's taking elements from those very good and very successful shows and bringing them together and making it into a whole. I normally don't like stories that that start part way through um, and we have the, the whole TARDIS team 
spread out across the globe and doing their various different things. I didn't mind that this time because, as Ken said, the episode is so packed. Cutting out that initial we land and discover a problem bit saved them time that they needed. Mm. Um, It would have worked better as a two-parter. I think it would have been less rushed. But actually, I like the energy of all that rush. I'll Um, give it that. And there were some genuine edge-of-your-seat moments that... Yeah, there's a comparatively big guest cast list. Mm. But every one of them is there for a reason. Yeah. And we were talking in another podcast about how you wanted to see gay couples who were simply there as a couple and their the nature of their relationship wasn't mentioned at all. Mm. Well, that was this. Yeah, it was. Two of the uh, the characters in it are a gay, a gay couple. They go through um, some very emotional scenes together, which was very well done. It's uh, just a couple with relationship problems. Yeah, which absolutely. Is, which is what... That's exactly what yeah. I want to see, yeah. So... That that bit worked well. I liked the social media inclusion with the the vlogger. Oh yeah, the the, uh, the two girls roaming. Yeah, um, yeah, it was that egotistical thing that bloggers and vloggers have. That what do you mean you've not heard of me? You know, I've got so many yes. followers. How dare you not have heard of the Exodus experiment? Um, <laughs> that's a, a very well realised and well drawn thing. And once she gets over the the weirdness of the situation, she's there with both boots. It's right. What are we doing? Where are we? We're on. Un- we're underneath the Indian Ocean. This is fantastic. Mm. Wild enthusiasm, which I, uh, which was across the whole of the episode. Now, we'll draw a veil over the science. Yes. The we'll draw a veil over the science after I say this. Scientific terms have very specific meanings. They're not interchangeable. An enzyme is not a virus. If you did, be- they say that. Don't yeah, they say- turn an enzyme into a virus. Hmm. Um, you can't do blood cultures in half an hour. They take at least 24 hours. But she, it was stated she had a fast culture uh, machine. Which doesn't exist. Doesn't in the um, universe. And in the end, what she would have got from a blood culture was what she got from the, uh, the images on the sonic screwdriver. So if you're going to write science and something like this, get your science right. Um, if you don't have a scientific advisor, please get one. And there are doctors who do that for a living. Um, there are scientists who do that for a living. Casualty has an army of medical advisors and is pretty good on that these days. So there really isn't an excuse for that level of inaccuracy. I'm now going to draw a veil over that because even that, and I'm normally fairly the science needs to be the science, even that didn't detract me from how much I enjoyed that that episode. I liked the the energy. Graham is still annoying and is getting to be seen to be more of a buffoon. I don't know. He's got that grounded element, which I do uh, like. Bradley Walsh is still my favourite of the companions. No, uh, thing all the all the way clockwise. Do you mean anti-clockwise? Oh, yeah, just testing. It, it's pure buffoonery. And that kind of comedy character doesn't successfully last very long. Ryan was given some stuff to do and he was unbelievably wooden. Yaz was given stuff to do and really flew with it. I think Yaz has the makings of a a good companion. I don't think she has the makings of a great companion, but I think she's got the makings of a good companion. The TARDIS team is still too big. And okay, it was expanded by a whole load of extra people this week. I loved the rescue at the end. It was a real parallel to um, Captain Jack's rescue yes, in it was. season one, wasn't it? And the New Horizons walking off into the sunset. Oh, we can we can vlog about this. That uh, that I liked. Um, it was real feel good at the end of the episode. I really really liked that. It was a terrible animatronic bird, in it. Oh, they they were dreadful. Was pretty bad. Um, and the 
the CGI birds weren't good. No, the murmuration looked more like insects, actually, than birds. I was particularly thinking of the scene where they all come flying out of that skylight in the, in yeah, the lab. Yeah, yeah. Birds don't fly like that. <laughs> Your wildest nightmares. The whole bit about that the lab is absolutely full of these flapping birds and not a single one of them gets scratched. Whereas the woman, yeah, yeah. The woman who left before the birds turned up is the one who's got scratched. That, that, that really didn't. Mind you, the... Um the guys in uh, suit mask suits at the beginning were firing all over the place. There were about four of them firing, and they couldn't hit anything. They're carrying a wounded astronaut, and they still can't hit them. They're scientists, and scientists don't necessarily know how to how to use guns. Whereas the the bloke, who, the policeman who could actually shoot, shot and hit things from about two feet away. Yeah, I'll give him that. No, there was the whole duck down, and he he fired oh, beyond one, them and yeah. got that stormtrooper scored marksmanship. And it's <laughs> It wasn't a brilliant episode. I couldn't say that I enjoy watching that as much as I would enjoy watching Blink or Midnight mm. or um, Mummy on the Orient Express. But the fact that when I'm now starting discussing a Jodie Whittaker episode... In positive in, terms. Yeah, but in comparison to episodes like that, mm. it says an awful lot about how good I thought that episode was. I, I preferred that to Nikola Tesla's House of Terrors. That was an 8 out of 10 for me. Tesla would have been about 7 out of 10... And there would have been nothing above a, a, a four or five in the, the first season. It was a good piece of television, well-directed and uh, well-written, to be fair. Um, I just, there's just something about it that didn't grip me to go back. No. But um, let me put it this way. I would rather watch that than In the Forest of the Night. But we, In the Forest of the Night was terrible. I know. Mm-hmm. I'd rather watch The Taranga Conundrum than In the Forest of the Night. I'd rather no. watch Kablam than In the Forest of the Night. I'd probably rather watch Sleep No More than In the Forest of the Night. I don't think I've ever actually rewatched that. That's another one that I just I couldn't... It's the sentient eye gag. Anyway, back to today's Back to episode. Series 12. We're, we're just over halfway through now, and um, so we're going to park this here, and we'll come back and do another review of episodes 7 to 10 and a sort of general final thought. Well, it's certainly much better overall than last year, by a long way. So This is kind of on a par of... Mm, Claws of Axos, maybe? Well, this episode of this series? No, the, this episode we've just watched. So, we're, Yeah, one, in terms of... One I really like, but not absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad analogy. Right? This, is, this is Claws of Axos. And Claws of Axos is very bio-eco stuff, isn't it? Yes, to an extent it is. Yeah. yeah. So far, I will, I will. I am relatively upbeat. I do at least want to see the next episodes each time now. It's Last year, I couldn't have cared less. If they pulled the plug halfway through the series, I was so bored by it. I think I saw less than half of them on transmission. Yeah, and it looks as though we've got another pseudo-historical next week. I couldn't make Mosna sand of that, so I have no idea what was going on there. It sounds like we've got lots to look forward to. I just hope that they, at least, if they don't wrap everything up that they've started with episode five, they do at least tie enough of it up so that we're not waiting God knows how long for series 13. Yeah, and I don't feel that you need to have the answer to Everything. everything by the end of the season, and there can be things that carry over, but there should be more resolved than is carried yeah. over. So, uh, with a hopeful heart, we will wrap up here. There'll be another podcast next week on something completely different, but we'll certainly finish off the rest of Series 12 when, uh, when we get to the end of it. Yeah. Thank you for listening, boys and girls. Hope we haven't... Our views, if they're different from yours, you're, you can see why we think that way. If you're, if you're enjoying, if you're really loving every single episode... Fantastic. I'm really pleased for you. Um, Because that's what it should be. Just because we happen to 
like or dislike certain episodes or performances or what have you. People out there, they love Doctor Who and they're not seeing it through the same 40-odd, 50-odd-year-old fans. Good for you. That's The show has always evolved. Yeah, and if you feel that Jodie Whittaker is your Doctor and, and speaks to you, wonderful. Mm. No, the bell has tolled on us this time. We shall sign off. We'll be back next week with something different and we will review the rest of the series when we get there. Thanks for listening. Bye now. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss and the title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rushton, Lancashire and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit our website at extonmossexperiment.blogspot.com or find us on Facebook.